pray. Father, to the one who is, the one who was, and the one who is to come, the great I am, Yahweh, our Lord, our creator, our sustainer, Lord, we adore you. As Amy has testified, and as we have sung in song, Lord, this is all about you. We marvel at your grace. We bask in your mercy and your love that you shower upon us. And Father, thank you for three glorious years and to the point that you have brought us here on this anniversary Sunday. And Father, if you should tarry, we are so excited to see how you will use CBF in the next three years. And if you should tarry 30 years. But Lord, we sit here today and we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you would, turn to First Chronicles 29. First Chronicles 29. We have been walking through the life of David. As you do... Uh, you'll notice there were tables that were set up in the cafe area and down the halls. This is for our anniversary luncheon. A couple of people said, well, I didn't register. No worries. We have plenty of food. Every year our team does a superb job. We are so blessed. And this year, Hayuk uh, Ruf, she's probably out there, Hayuk and her team, I'd have them stand, but I think they're already preparing. They were there Saturday setting up. Uh, spent a lot of time, so yes, let's thank them. I know they're not in the room, but thank you to their team. A lot of time and effort's gone in, and we have plenty of food. So if you didn't register, I still expect you to stay. I, I see the whites of your eyes. I'll hunt you down if you go to your car. Uh, it's not a potluck, so you don't need to worry. Well, I didn't bring a casserole. Don't worry, there's no casserole, so it'll be just lovely. So... Uh, please stay. We'd love to have you. But we've been journeying through the life of David, and, and I'm excited because we'll begin a new series next week. It's the Essentials of Genuine Faith. As we look at the, the epistle, 1 John, uh, one of John's letters nestled in the latter part of the New Testament. So that's where we're headed. But today we're going to wrap up our, our study of David, the life of David. Four-year-old Tommy Wilson came home. It was Sunday afternoon, mommy was going upstairs and she heard Tommy singing, praise God from whom all blessings flow, praise him all preachers, here we go. <laughs> and Tommy's also, no, 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 honey, it's, it's not praise him all preachers, here we go, but instead it's praise him all creatures here below. And he goes, oh, no, no, mommy, that's not correct. Because every time we sing that song, the pastor leaves. <laughs> well... We're not going to look at that familiar doxology this morning, though we have certainly much to praise. We're going to look at another doxology, which is nestled in 1 Chronicles 29. It's the final scene in the life of David. The, the emotions are, there's just a flood of them, right? You've got the officials that have been gathered there, the assembly. They've walked with David through thick and thin. They've seen his warts. They've, seen the, they've been there through the glorious times. Forty years David's reigned. For some, that's the only life they know is David is king. And now they come to this point where he's passing the baton to Solomon. 
And what you don't see in the first part of chapter 29 is they've gathered all of their offerings, their gifts, because they're building. <laughs> Sound familiar? Yes, they're, they don't have Bob Horn to help them. So they've undertaken, though, Bob, this building endeavor. They've completed their capital campaign, which is here in chapter 29. And then David, these are his last words. It's, it's one of three major prayers on the life of David in First Chronicles. In fact, you'll find the first in 16. That's when the ark is moved to Jerusalem. 17, when Nathan the prophet reminds David all that God has done for him. David breaks out in another uh, song of praise. And this is the third. If you have time this week, compare those three. There's several nuggets that are very similar in how they address the Lord. But let's look at this doxology that starts in verse 10. David praised the Lord before the entire assembly. Again, this is a who's who. We have officials, leaders from all of Israel that have gathered in Jerusalem. O oh Lord God of our father Israel, you deserve praise forevermore. O oh Lord, you're great, you're mighty, majestic, magnificent, glorious, and sovereign over all the sky and the earth. You, the Lord, have dominion and exalt yourself as the ruler over all. You are the source of wealth and honor. You rule over all. You possess strength and might to magnify and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give thanks to you and praise your majestic name. Now notice what David says, but who am I? You're the most powerful man in the Near Eastern world in 970 B.C. Because who am I? And, and who are my people, as he points to the assembly, that we should be in a position to contribute this much? Indeed, everything comes from you. We have simply given back to you what is yours. For we are resident foreigners and temporary settlers in your presence, as all our ancestors were, and our days are like a shadow on the earth without security oh lord our god all this wealth which we have collected to build a temple for you to honor your holy name comes from you it belongs to you i know my god that you examine thoughts and are pleased with the integrity david knows exactly that god knows his thoughts <laughs> just ask back with the bathsheba situation right with pure motives i contribute all this and now I look with joy as your people who have gathered here contribute to you. O Lord, God of our ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Always maintain these motives of your people and keep them devoted to you. Make my son Solomon willing to obey your commands, rules, and regulations. And to complete building this palace for which I have made preparations. David told the entire assembly, praise the Lord your God. So the entire assembly praised the Lord God of their ancestors. They bowed down, stretched out flat on the ground before the Lord and the king. It's a powerful scene, isn't it? Here as David delivers in these parting words that are recorded in scripture, a doxology, a praise to God. If you're following along in your notes, this praise can be broken down into three sections. The first of this is David exalting the name of the Lord in the first four verses. Notice in 10 all the way through 13, the whole thing begins with praise twice, and it will end in the section with praise twice. 
The term can be translated in the Hebrew, praise or to kneel, to bow down. <laughs> Most fitting, isn't it? It's used time and time again in the Old Testament as the appropriate means for expressing, <clears throat> excuse me, expressing gratitude and respect to God. I want you to see several things here that David teases out in relationship to the Lord. Remember, this is a man who's walked with God. This is a man after God's own heart. This is a man who fought Goliath and the Philistines. This is a man who, <clears throat> who's been through great sorrow and understands forgiveness 40 years and he's got some parting words it's like E.F. Hutton we need to listen <laughs> he says number one the Lord is a personal God did you catch this he says our father in verse 10 in verse 13 he says our God it's personal it's direct as he speaks to the Lord in front of the assembly there's, there's intimacy here. It's someone who's experienced the Lord. Can you imagine reading a review on Yelp about a restaurant? Great restaurant, or so it appears. I hear the food and service are fantastic, but I've never tried it. Well, what kind of review would that be? I mean, really? You, 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 you've never tasted of the food. You, you, you've never experienced the ambiance within the restaurant. Praise to the Lord stems from an awareness of who God is. David pens in Psalm 103, Praise the Lord, O my soul. Do not forget all his kind deeds, which implies he's experienced them. He is the one who forgives all your sins. David's experienced it. Who heals all your diseases. Who delivers your life from the pit. David's experienced it. Who crowns you with his loyal love and compassion who satisfies your life with good things so your youth is renewed like an eagle's. And then he goes on, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on his faithful followers, for he knows what we are made of. Wow. That's someone who's walked with the Lord, and David has done that 40 years. Oh, he's not perfect, but he's walked with the Lord, and he understands in this closing praise we serve a personal God. Secondly, you can highlight here in the text that we serve a Lord who is a covenantal God. Notice how he refers to him in verse 10 there. Our Lord, our God, our Father, Israel. The Father of Israel. Later, he'll mention ancestors in verses 15, 18, and 20. He says it's the God of our ancestors. In other words, God is faithful to the promise he made to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, Israel. David stands here and he says, our God is faithful to his word. It also lets everyone know there's a bigger picture. <laughs> We're part of what God is doing. We're not the end all. I love Shop Goodwill online. It's just great. And on occasion, as I scour the, the good deals that you're supposed to find, there's uh, online, that is, you, 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 you'll see these photo albums from the early 19, 1800s with all their pictures. I'm like, that is so sad. Who gives up all these photos of your family, your history? You, you wish they could speak, you know, and tell the story. 
we as a church stand on the head and shoulders of those who've gone before us. Those who forged the way, who brought the gospel even here to the States, and we can go further and further back. The Martin Luthers, the Mary Slessers, the names go on of where we stand in this third anniversary of church small C, of a bigger C church. And the legacy we have. And we're part of a God who keeps his promises. And David says to this assembly, we serve a covenantal God. Third thing you see here that he tells the people is that we serve a sovereign God who rules over all. In fact, this is the central focus of the entire doxology. God is on the throne. He reigns. He is ruler of his kingdom. You look at verse 11. Look at the text. Notice what it says. O Lord, you are great, mighty, majestic, magnificent, glorious, and sovereign. David is not stuttering, but in that laundry list, the, the words, the, the semantic domain, the range, is very similar. It's like boom, boom, boom. In other words, God is awesome. This is who we serve. You, O God. In fact, there are 10 attributes in this doxology given of God. 10. This is the God we serve. It's a stylistic expression, no doubt, of the very greatness that David wants to exalt. Theology, that is the study of God and his ways. Theology as doxology means giving words, thoughts, actions and offering and praises to the glory of God. It's through doxology that we offer our theology to God, if you think about it. We affirm in our praise what we know about God. It's vital. In other words, it's not that, I wrote, it's not that we only read and think about how great God is, that's theology, but we have the opportunity in doxology to tell God how great he is. Did you catch that? They're, they're handmaidens. They go together. Theology is the rail which you run this train of doxology on. If the rail's not there, you're going to derail the whole thing. They're vital. And it's in our theology, in our understanding of who God is, that we break out in praise. This is just a... Our, our worship services aren't just we whip some songs together Ben and his team spend a lot of time thinking through the words and, and how it fits with the text as we exalt God's name it's vital and David is doing that here he, only, he not only recognizes that the Lord is a personal God he's a covenantal God he's also the ruler and all powerful one but he's the origin of all things he doesn't just give lip service and, and hollow promises. This is a God that will deliver. And this leads us to principle one there in your notes on praise. Praising the Lord begins and end with, ends with the recognition of who God is, what he has done, is doing, and will do. Did you catch that? It's, our praise is, is focused first and foremost on who he is and what he's done. Think of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven hallowed be your name. Our theology is driving our understanding of God. Psalm 135, yes, I know the Lord is great, and our Lord is superior to all gods. He does whatever he pleases in the heavens and on earth. Your loyal followers of the Lord, praise 
the Lord. Again, his theology is driving his doxology. That leaves us with several important points here. First of all, it's important because praise creates a healthy worldview. What do we mean by that? Praise recognizes it is a world where God is the active agent. He is the one in charge. He is the one who keeps his covenants. And that helps shape how we view this world. It also not only affirms that we have a living God who reigns, but it affirms that the, this world and all that it has, its origin and its purpose, is linked directly to God. It's not by chance. Our kids came home this week. Our son said, you know, we were taught this week at school that uh, it all just kind of evolved over time, millions of years. That's not this. Because our God says, no, I am the sovereign one. I demand your praise. I am in charge. And so the world is, what are they trying to do? Remove God, you've got to turn it all upside down. Praise reminds us who is in charge, not us, but God. We don't praise ourselves. We praise the Lord. And we, in our praise, we find our identity. And our identity is in him. Isaiah 43, the people whom I formed for myself so that they might declare my praise. We're drawn into communion with the Lord when we praise. An early church father writes, God does not need anything of ours, but we stand in need of all things from him. The thanksgiving itself adds nothing to him, but causes us to be near to him. Isn't that great? The Lord doesn't need our praise. He's invited us to exalt his name and allows us to come into his presence. Remember, when... Uh, the religious rulers wanted the crowd to stop and wanted Jesus to quiet them. What did Jesus say? If they don't, the rocks will sing my praise, my glory. <laughs> Doxology expresses faith, trust, and gratitude to a living God. I would argue failure to praise is an affront to God. Praise should be on the lips of all believers. It should be natural to us. Years ago, when I studied in Germany, you were to greet the professor as Herr Professor, and if they had two doctors, Herr Professor, Doctor, Doctor, and then it would be Betz, and you would bow. <clears throat> and you better use the pr proper pronoun as well, or your toast, right? There was an expectation because of their stance within academia on, on their achievements, etc., that you would, Herr Professor, so good to meet, see you. The, the respect that is due all the more God who sits on the thrones the ruler of the sky and the earth and David understands this and he says we praise you O God the one that he, and again he gives that laundry list of six attributes right there in verse 11 to say you're the one that we praise you're the one that we adore Thomas Watson the Puritan writer who I love makes this statement praising God is one of the highest and purest acts of religion. In prayer, we act like men. In praise, we act like angels. Isn't that great? So this morning, as we celebrate our third anniversary, we have so much to praise the Lord for because of who he is, what he has done, what he is doing, and what he will do through the life of our church. 
And so the psalmist declares, oh God, your works are extraordinary. But you know, when you, you look at how great God is, it doesn't take too long to realize what a louse we are. <laughs> and David doesn't spare any punches because when we get to verse, you see here, when he gets to verse 14, he begins to talk about, look how he starts. Who am I? <laughs> when I see you, it's the same way he started out in First Corinthians, or First Chronicles 17. When the ark had been brought and Nathan reminded him of the promises God had made with him, he says, who am I? It's the same thing in Second Chronicles that Solomon will state when they begin building the temple. Who am I? When you understand who God is, it's who am I and who are we that we should be able to give anything to God. And boy, they have collected a ton. Some estimate $50 million worth of gold. You can read the earlier verses, do the math, etc. The point is, it was an outlandish gift given to the Lord. And yet, David says, what is this? Anyone who has recognized what they have received from the Lord cannot help but wonder how and why God would choose me. Legalism wants to turn that upside down. It's, this is what I should be doing for God in order to win his favor. No, God has already lavished his favor on us. He loved us before the foundation of the world. And David is a reminder, who, who is this? Because he reminds us here, everything comes from the Lord. Twice David says, it's your stuff that we're giving back to you. That's lovely, right? It's like your child who says here mommy this is for you and it's something that you gave them a while back they just packaged it up and thought it'd be a nice little gift you know it all comes every good thing every material blessing everything that comes are gifts from god the greatest is jesus according to second corinthians it's by god's grace that we even have the opportunity to participate in his goodness david cites two examples notice what he says here in verse uh, 15, for we are resident foreigners, temporary settlers in your presence. This promised land, we have no title to apart from that you've given it to us. In fact, he goes on to say, we don't even have the right to live here on this planet. It's by your, your grace. Psalm 102, my days are like an evening shadow. I wither away like grass, but you, O Lord, are enthroned forever. Talk about a perspective. Remember who's talking here. This isn't Joe Schmo who never did anything, right? This is David. David who was surrounded by unbelievable riches at this time frame, yet they didn't capture his heart. He says, this is all yours, Lord. You say, well, yeah, I know he's about to die. Nonetheless, all right, this is the Lord's. David won many battles. We never see him taking the credit. David served as the most powerful man in the land, yet he declares himself as a servant of the Lord. I mean, think about this. David saying, Lord, we have, everything we have is yours. This palace, this city, the victories, the throne, it's all yours. David understands it was by God's grace that he was chosen. Remember last week we looked at this. Not only was Israel chosen, Judah was chosen, Jesse was chosen, David was chosen. The list goes on. It was by God's grace that David could defeat folks like Goliath. It was by God's grace that Saul did not take David's life. It was by God's grace that God did not take Saul's life or David's life. <laughs> 
It is by God's grace that we've been given the opportunity to have life in his son, Jesus. Amen? If you don't know Jesus as your personal savior, this is where the incredible spiritual journey begins. For those of us who have a relationship with Christ, we're reminded of James 1.17, which tells us that every good and every perfect gift comes from the Father. That's what David's saying here. He goes, none of this is ours. And he says, even in the abundance of the temple gifts that we have given, these unsolicited offerings, it too comes from your hand, O God. Notice verse 17. I know my God, wow, <laughs> that you examine thoughts. Then notice what David says. We've gathered this here to contribute to you. This was our joy in doing this. This wasn't out of compulsion. There was not a requirement for every official to give 20%, 10%. No, there's none of this. David wasn't hoping that when the new temple's built, there's a statue to him or a plaque put on the wall donated by David. No. He didn't do it to win God's favor. David gave joyfully with a pure heart. In fact, look at verse 9 before we started this section. Notice what it says about the people. The people were delighted with their donations. They contributed with a willing, catch that, heart attitude. Remember Ananias and Sapphira in Acts 5? <laughs> the not-so-dynamic duo. Everyone was giving to the new church, you know, it was all excitement. Ananias and Sapphira, if you remember the story, they sold some property, but they lied to the church how much they got because they were going to keep some of it back. They could have just been honest and kept some of it back. It wouldn't have mattered. It's they lied about it. And you know what happens, <clears throat> right? God strikes them both down. They're dead. But Peter makes this statement to Ananias. Listen to what he says. Did it not belong to you? Implication, no. It did not belong to you in the first place. And then he says, you have not, have you not lied? You've not lied to people, he says, but you've lied to God. Wow. David understands, the people understand as they've gathered around here to give to the temple. No, no, no. This is all the Lord's. And this leads us to the next principle on praise. Praising the Lord is characterized by humility and an awe of God's provisions and care. Praise to the Lord serves as a reminder that our praise, it's a recognition of our limitations and our inadequacies. He is Lord, I am not. Praise to the Lord reminds us that all the blessings stem from the Lord's hands. It isn't congratulations for well wishes or aren't you lucky, but rather, praise the Lord. Or think about when you heard a, a child is born, congratulations, no, praise the Lord. You got a new job, congratulations, praise the Lord. <laughs> this is all the Lord's. The Lord alone deserves the praise. And we have to be careful, and I know I'm splitting hairs here, but as we say best wishes or good luck, it's, it's stripping God's sovereignty out of the equation. No, no. Isn't God great? Praise the Lord. Glory. <laughs> 
This morning, as we celebrate our third anniversary as a church, and Amy stole some of my thunder, we didn't compare notes ahead of time, but that's all right. Because I know as a staff, we stand amazed and the church leadership stands amazed. We have no explanation for where we are other than this is the Lord's doing. How do you explain a group of 40 plus believers coming together to try to rent a facility in the midst of COVID? The Lord not only provided us with 502, but less than a year later, we started renting out here the high school for which no church had ever rented out the high school in Westville. Then the Lord provides us with 15 acres <laughs> and, and a 4,000 square foot building for 500,000. Only the Lord. How do you explain a group of believers with no financial support from a mother church or denomination undertaking a $10 million project to build a church within the first three years of its existence? Only God. How do you explain undertaking the building project in the midst of a limited supply chain and labor shortage only to be under budget and running ahead of schedule? Only the Lord. In fact, I want to show you some photos. I'm going to take a little excursion here. This is the remodeling of the center that's going on right now. If you are helping with this and you can stand and you don't have a bad back from working, would you stand? We want to thank you. There's a whole group of guys. Ed has been leading the charge. Amy and Pam Delt. So thank you. Thank you. I love the photo on the right. I think Tom Flynn has more paint on himself than the cabinet, but we won't go there. So it's great. I want to thank all of those who are working. We, we had an individual who was able to secure nearly $40,000 worth of flooring for $4,500 for the new building, or the center, excuse me. So the whole center is redone, being repainted, new lights, the whole nine yards. That's being done in-house, and so I want to thank the team. We're supposed to hopefully have that center done by the 1st of September, but wasn't God good? If, if, we had, if we didn't have this facility, think about all the meetings that we've used in that center the last two years. It's been a blessing. Well, this will really excite you. The seats are in our new auditorium. Isn't that great? Oh, it's so exciting. But if you don't know, let me share with you this next slide. And that is November the 19th is our target date. I don't mean, yes. I'm not saying next year. I'm talking this year. So if you've wondered why in the world did you take out those speakers <laughs> and have to rope off these seats because it's too loud in the very first sections, that's because they're getting fine-tuned in order to ring. Now, there are several things you need to be praying about in order for that date to occur. I know uh, a couple of people in the building committee are a little nervous with that, but that is our prayer, and that is the target date, and that is 2023, November the 19th. What a Thanksgiving service that will be, will it not? So praise the Lord. But it's not just about buildings, as Amy even highlighted as well. How do you explain the spiritual and physical growth of our congregation? Nearly 40 individuals have been baptized since the conception of our church, and growth even this past year has been over 25%, averaging in the month of July almost 480 people each Sunday, all but God. How do you explain a vibrant group of believers who are seeking to love God and love others well? Only God. So let me echo David's words. Who are we, Community Bible Fellowship Church, that we should stand here on this day and give glory to our Lord? Oh Lord, 
We praise your name. Do we not? We may not have been there in 970 so BC, but don't you just get a glimpse of it? <laughs> of what those Israelites were experiencing standing on the threshold of a new temple to, to be built. We're a little ahead of schedule them, of the, compared to them, uh, because we're almost in. But what a day to stand here and say, yeah, this is our God. <laughs> David's not done, and nor should we. Because notice what he goes in verse 18. He says, O Lord, God of our ancestors, reminding, remember, this is in front of all those officials, the who's who. Maintain these motives of your people and keep them devoted to you. David doesn't ask for anything of himself. He doesn't ask, Lord, continue to provide. We want a temple that far outshines any other temple in the ancient world. No, no, no. He prays, Lord, give loyal obedience ongoing loyal obedience to your people so that we can honor you. He's not done. Remember, Solomon is, his young laddie is standing there too. Notice what he says. And oh Lord, make my son Solomon willing to obey your commands, your rules, and regulations. David does not appeal to power, victory, riches, the establishment of Solomon's kingdom. No, no, no. He appeals to spiritual vibrancy that may endure, both in the life of his son and the life of his people. Vast, well, we come to the, the third principle, and I'm going to ask the elders to come up. The third principle, praise the Lord, requires that he be glorified in and through his people. When you understand who God is and you understand who we are, you can't help but say, Lord, this is who we need to be. It should be one that seeks to glorify. Isaac Watts penned these words, I'll praise my maker while I've breath, and when my voice is lost in death, praise shall employ my nobler powers. You better learn how to praise him now because you're going to do it in all eternity. My days of praise shall never be passed while life and thought and being last or immortality endures. Again, David's magnificent doxology isn't praise the Lord, the preachers all go, or whatever it is. No. His prayer isn't even centered on David or the temple. It's about the Lord. Even in the two petitions, his concern is that the Lord be glorified in the midst of his people. That's true praise. You know, Paul echoes the same thing for the church at Philippi in Philippians 2. He says, do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may be blameless and pure and children of God without blemish. Though you live in a crooked and perverse society in which you shine as lights in the world by holding on to the word of life so that on the day of Christ I will have a reason to boast. I can praise that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. But even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering, in other words, he's about to die. Currently he's in prison as he pins these words. I am glad and I rejoice together with all of you that in the same way you should also be glad and rejoice together. Why? Because we can, we can exalt the name of the Lord. I thought it'd be fitting to bring our elders up if you guys would make your way. I've asked the elders together so that we can pray for our church. We can pray that we exalt his name. 
that when people hear CBF or they see CBF people, they don't see us, they see Christ. We're living in a world that's becoming more and more hostile to the things of the Lord and the church, obviously. And so Lurdu Yala, our elder who provides oversight for prayer, I've asked Lurdu if you would come and pray for our congregation, please. Gracious God, loving and heavenly Father, and most holy God, we bless you this, after this afternoon, Father. What a glorious day it is. God of glory, majesty, and power, as David has said, and also God of grace, mercy, and compassion. We bless you as David did, and what a parallel. Oh, what a time, Father, it is that you brought these scriptures through your servant to remember your faithfulness. As our dear sister Amy reminded, miracles. And it all began as though it was in the cave of Adullam. These dear men of God who are behind me, they met dear Father, and you moved their hearts to start a church in, in that season as though there are no there are there is additional need for it there are so many churches in the city but you had a purpose father you have a purpose in starting this awesome wonderful church and you led them dear father week after week and you gathered people and you, Father, you are God who are leading us, feeding us, shepherding us. And you are calling people from different corners, different places, hungry for the word of God, hungry for the truth of God, hungry for fellowship, hungry for the living touch of God. Oh, Father, we thank you. Oh, Lord, as David prays, Read your purposes and the thoughts that you have in your heart for your people. They may be fully fulfilled and achieved. Oh, Father, we pray that you would lead our pastor, Pastor David, Pastor Michael, and all the elders, and all those leaders. Father, whatever ministry, small or great, your, your children have been serving you so faithfully, joyfully, that we, ma we may all have a heart to love you and to follow you, to listen to you, to wait upon you with a willing heart, O oh Father, to carry on, Father, the mission and the ministry that you have laid upon us, that your name be glorified, Father, your people whom you have brought may be spiritually nurtured and they may grow into the maturity of Christ as you have purposed in scriptures. And also, dear Father, that you may reach out to the community, Father, who are in darkness, that you may use this church, this body of God's people, 
to reach out to them in the with the love and the gospel of lord jesus christ oh father oh precious father add as many people as you have in your heart and lord we thank you as our pastor reminded us who are we who am i who are we oh father that you do such great things and then we are here of uh, being led by you oh father all glory and majesty and 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 all honor belongs to you oh precious father all those who are whom you are bringing meet every need oh father every one of them whatever need they they come with whatever questions they may have oh father those who are saved may be saved and those who are saved may grow in the grace or in all things oh father the christ of god god may be glorified in the church through christ our lord jesus christ amen Well, David doesn't end, does he? Because in verse 20, he calls for the entire assembly to praise. Praise the Lord. So, as we have our worship team come and close us so we can praise together in song, I was thinking about this song that Ben had selected to close, Oh, Praise the Name. And listen to the words of the refrain. Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise his name forevermore. For endless days we will sing your praise, O Lord, O Lord our God. Hmm. All but God, correct? All but God. Father, thank you. Thank you for what you have done here this day, three years. Lord, and to think you did this before the foundation of the world you called, and you knew full well that CBF would be birthed and it would serve as a lighthouse in Westfield. Father, continue to go before us. May we be people with clean hearts, clean hands, that we would do nothing to tarnish your glory, but all glory would be to you. And may we continue to be a testimony but God, but you, O Lord, for who are we in the midst of a glorious, sovereign, covenantal, personal God such as you and we thank you in the name of your son Jesus we pray